Well, good morning, Northern Hills. If we haven't met, my name is Brian. If you are just new today, last couple weeks, we seriously are just so glad to have you in the house. We really hope this feels like home for you, honestly, really do. And I got asked today, second service, who's ready for the best sermon you have ever heard in your life? Who's, who's ready for some fire? You ready for some of this? Next week, next week is going to be fire, all right? Don't you dare miss church next week. Or today, we'll see how today goes. We'll see. It's up to you. We'll see how much. But uh, no, next week, we're going to have a good time. But guys, this is going to be a good one. Here we go. We're going to dig right in. I want a little crowd participation. It always makes things a little bit more interesting. So I'm curious if any of you would like to guess the average age when people typically learn how to ride a bike without training wheels. Anybody want to try to venture a guess? Throw a number out there. Who's one of, okay, I heard it. I heard it. Five. Five is the age. Is anybody still working on that right now? Got any people trying to figure it out? I want to keep going, though. This will be interesting. What do you think the average age is when somebody gets their first cell phone today? First cell phone. What do you think that age is? Seven. Three. There, there's a kid in this room who wants a phone real bad. Uh, the number is 10, actually, 10. So I don't know how your parents feel about that. The kids are nudging. You're like, Mom, I'm 11. It's time. It's 10. Here's another interesting one. What do you think the average age is for first kiss? You got a guess for first kiss? 48. Okay. That is a mother in the room. That's a mother right there. Uh, it's actually, it's 15. 15 is average age. Did anybody beat that number by like a lot of years? All right. Confess your sins right now. Just, okay. Okay. Let's do two more just for fun. What do you think the average age is for first-time homeowner? First-time homeowner. Would you guess? Would you guess? 25? You did not grow up in Colorado, clearly. It's, it's 34 right now. 34. We know that number is going to keep going up with how things are going right now. And by the way, if that is the first house you own, you are doing really well for yourself. I'm just going to say, that was not my first house. That's a, okay, last one, last one, just, for, just out of curiosity. What do you think the average age is for first-time grandparents? First time someone becomes a grandparent, what would you guess the number? You had a, 35? How? 30? I heard it. 50. It is 50. 50 is the exact number. So that seemed young to me, but I don't know. That's just what the number is now. I'm kind of setting this up for purpose. How important is age? Truly, though. Because it actually kind of depends on what you're talking about. Because no matter what age you are in this room right now, I would highly suggest you breathe oxygen in this moment. Right? There, there's no age respect for that. But there is a very good reason why we don't give three-year-olds driver's licenses, right? So age is relevant in particular contexts. And actually, the passage we're going to look at today is in Jesus' ministry, when he was living here on the earth, and age becomes an issue. It creates some controversy in his ministry and becomes the point of conversation. I'm going to be in Matthew 19 today, reading in verse 13, and this is how the situation plays out for Jesus. It says this, Then people brought little children to Jesus for him to place his hands on them and pray for them. Now, just take a pause right there. Could you imagine Jesus praying for you? Like, we have little prayer lines after service. If Jesus had a prayer line in our church, I can guarantee you that one would probably be going out the door and everybody would be ignoring my prayer line completely. I can only imagine having Jesus pray. That's a direct line of heaven right there, okay? But here's what's kind of interesting. We have a few different accounts of Jesus encountering children throughout his ministry, and every single time he is really encouraging this experience. He's never negative about it. He's always open to it. And kids liked being around Jesus. That is not a small detail right there. If you've been around kids before, they are kind of picky about adults that they think are fun to be around or not. And Jesus 
was a cool guy for kids to be around. They actually wanted to hang around him. That's not a small detail to catch. But this entire story takes a twist. All right, here comes the plot twist. Look what happens next. But the disciples rebuked them. All right, so these are Jesus' followers. All these kids are coming around playing with Jesus. He's praying for them. It's just a nice, precious moment, and they get all Scrooge on the situation. And they start shutting down the whole party. It's over. Now, we got to give some context because it's easy to pick on the disciples right now and be like, yeah, I would never do that. I wouldn't be mean to the children. But here's, here's what's kind of interesting. At this point in time in culture, at this particular place, kids were actually not seen as having any real value until they were old enough to start contributing to the bottom line of the family and start working. And I know some of you guys are like, amen, pastor. We need to bring that back. But so truly, they're kind of just ignored a little bit at a young age until they were old enough. So this, the disciples are actually acting in what would be, seem a really appropriate thing. But here's what it goes on. In our culture today, even though we have helicopter parents and obsessive parents and all that kind of stuff, we still sometimes have this attitude when it comes to kids. Because even right now in this moment, we just got to be honest, there is a children's ministry functioning right now here. And it is tempting for churches to look at the kids' ministry as our glorified daycare so the parents can get a break from the kids for an hour and sit in quiet and not be distracted. And then we can do all the adult things in here, right? We can do the real music and the lights and all that kind of stuff. That sometimes is the attitude that can slip in. And this is Jesus' opportunity to let his disciples be the bad guy and kind of pass it off to them and save some time. Because in, in the back of his mind, he'd be thinking, well, you're right, they haven't had their first communion yet. We should probably wait till they get confirmed or maybe until they can actually sit through a service without creating noise, or let's just hand the kids off to Judas. How about we just do that? Like, this is Jesus' opportunity to pass them off. But look at Jesus' response to his own followers. He says this, Let the children come to me, and do not hinder them. Now, this is a massive point right here. This is God in the flesh. Jesus himself. He has three short years to accomplish the most important mission ever in the history of humanity. And he sees spending time with kids is valuable. Like he sees this as a good investment of his time. That is not a small thing to miss. Now, you've got to ask, though, why would Jesus care about hanging out with kids? Because, again, this was massively counterculture at this time. Why would he make such an emphasis about making kids a priority, even in his own ministry. Well, I asked us about some of those average ages of milestones in people's lives. I got one more to kind of quiz you on. What do you think the average age is for someone who becomes a follower of Jesus, becomes a Christian? What would you guess? Of course, I hear a lot of numbers out there. You know what the age is? It's 11, 11 years old. Now, you got to ask, though, is that important? Is that important number? Is that relevant to this conversation? Well, actually, this might shock some of you guys in this room. 94% of anyone who will ever become a Christian will make that decision before they're 18. For all the nerds in the room, that's what you call statistically significant. Okay? 94%. Barna is a large research organization. They said this based on some of their studies of faith in Jesus. What you believe by the time you're 13 is what you will die believing. They go on to explain this thought. They say a majority of Americans make a lasting determination about the personal significance of Christ's death and resurrection by age 12. And they explain how by the time you're basically 13, what you believe is pretty much solidified. Now, there are exceptions, obviously, but they are really exceptions. The massive majority of this is the case. And even when you're 13, you will start looking for ways to confirm 
your biases and beliefs already at that young age, 13 years old. Now, I got to ask you guys, what if I today told you if you roll a pair of dice and as long as you roll them before you're 18, you have a 94% better chance of winning a billion dollars? How many of you would make sure you rolled those before you graduated from high school? <laughs> you wouldn't miss that. Now, what if I were to tell you, you have a 94% better opportunity to help somebody start a relationship with Jesus as long as you give them that opportunity during a certain period in their life. How serious should we take that? And this is what I'm trying to say, Northern Hills. When it comes to faith, age matters. You can make an argument that age is the single most important variable when it comes to whether somebody will become a follower of Jesus or not. Some organizations have put so much focus on this because it's such a staggering statistic that they have coined this term the 4 to 14 window. And this is the age range when somebody is most open and receptive to the person of Jesus. And here's the thing, even though these stats are true, and most of us pastors, we know this stuff, and it's getting more known in the church, even though that's true, we don't give this always a lot of attention. I was actually a youth pastor in college for a couple years, and I was getting ready to leave this church to go to seminary. And it was my last Sunday at this church, and there was this cute little girl at the church that I knew while I was there. And on my last Sunday, she handed me this sweet little card, just said, thank you. And you open it up, and it just says, Brian, again, thank you for changing my life. Now, can I have a moment of real honesty with you guys, confession? When she gave me this little card, I thought it was really cute and precious. I was like, that's really sweet, you know, that she would think of that. And... What was really going on in the back of my mind, it, truly, honestly, I was thinking, well, can we really be sure your life changed? I was like, no, you're young. I don't know if anything really stuck. I'm never going to see you again. We're never going to talk. So, like, I mean, we'll see. Who, know how, who knows how your life is going to pan out? And so that really was my attitude. And I think if we're honest, this is the attitude of most of us who are adults. We think, you know what? We need to give them a couple more years. They can't really appreciate these adult conversations yet. We don't know if this stuff is really sticking. Time is really going to prove it. And yet, Jesus is adamant. He says, do not hinder them. Don't you dare put any barriers in the way for these kids to get in my presence. And we just have to have an honest moment right here, guys. This happens every single day. Most kids in our culture today are growing up being hindered from getting to Jesus. They don't have any opportunity to develop any awareness of him, to let alone start a relationship with him. We just got to be honest. Most parents are raising their kids without any awareness of God. That there's any God that cares about these kids, loves them, let alone a Jesus that has died for them. Most kids, guys, they will easily get to 13 without ever hearing about or getting a genuine opportunity to begin a relationship with Jesus. It was just this last fall, it was one of those nice evenings in Colorado, and so my family decided to eat dinner out on the front porch. And as we're getting ready to eat, one of the neighbor boys comes around. And we're just about to eat the meal, so, so we're about to pray. I'm like, hey, you can join us if you want. And he kind of kept his distance. He's like, I'll just watch. And so we do a little prayer before the meal. And, you know, I say amen, and he goes, what was that? I'm like, oh, well, we just prayed to God. We just want to thank him for our food. He's like, my family doesn't do that. What's, what's prayer? I'm like, oh, well, you can, like, talk to God. And he was totally confused. And 
I got to be honest, guys, it broke my heart to think this kid has no concept. Like, he doesn't even understand that there's a God of the universe that wants to hear from him, that wants to talk to him himself and have a real relationship with him. Now, before I start sounding like some cranky old guy on the stage, you know, talking about our youth, what are we really talking about right here? I mean, is this truly something we got to pay attention to? Well, actually, there is a study that went out that found that 6% of millennials have what is called a biblical worldview. Now, when we talk about millennials, we're talking about anybody 25 to 40, all right? And what they found was 6% had a biblical worldview. You only need to agree to two things to qualify as having that worldview. The first thing is you have to believe that Jesus died and rose from the dead, and faith in him is by grace alone, and you can be saved, okay? Key Christian belief. And the second one is just you have to believe that the Bible is the inspired word of God. Those two things qualify you as having a biblical worldview. 6% of my generation would agree to those two statements. Now, you got asked, what happens to a culture and a generation that has 6% of people that agrees to that? Well, I actually can show you. This is a graph right here that charts belief in God by generation. Okay, so at the very top, we got the silence. Anybody 75 or older, we love you guys, the OGs in the room, okay? Yeah, <laughs> all right. And then the next one, boomers. Got some boomers in the house. All right, my 60s-ish folks or so. Now they drop down. We got Gen X. I think that's 50s or so. Has an upward trajectory, but still down. Now here's where the conversation gets interesting. That green line is millennials, 25 to 40. Starts taking a massive dip. But what we really have to look at right here is this purple line. That is Gen Z, basically 25 and younger. They are in the most massive spiritual freefall we have ever seen in the history of our country. They are in a complete downward spiritual trajectory on every single level. So much so that Gen Z is known now for having twice the rate of atheists as millennials already. Twice the rate. Not only that, but Gen Z now is considered the first post-Christian generation we have ever had in our nation's history. This is why this is so important. To be post-Christian means not just that you're not interested in Jesus or matters of faith. It means you believe Christianity has been tried and proven not to work. So you are extra not interested. That is the situation we're looking at right now. And if you look at some of the rates, I'm not just going to start, you know, dumping stats on you. But right now, at this moment in time, we have almost twice the rate of clinical depression in teen girls as of right now. 35% of Gen Z identifies as some form of alternative sexuality or gender dysphoria. The suicide rates have doubled in boys and tripled in girls since the beginning of the century. Now, I understand, guys, there are so many factors at play. There's multiple variables. There's social media. There's technology. We have been on a crash course with innovation and everything happening. And yet, we have to just admit something right now, guys. We have an entire generation growing up without God. We have an entire generation growing up putting their purpose in things that will not fulfill. We have an entire generation trying to put their hope in things that will not come through. We have an entire generation trying to build their lives on foundations that are crumbling at their feet already in their teenage years. The most heinous crime is being committed right now in our country, and an entire generation is being hindered from coming to Jesus. That's the situation we're in right now. And I'll tell you guys, honestly, just my journey on this. You know, I was a youth pastor for a couple years, and I, I knew the verses, and I could tell you, yes, we care about our youth. I'm investing in the next generation. But it actually wasn't until my most recent job before coming to Northern Hills where I truly had a transformation in my thinking. Because this role I had, I was leading a Christian nonprofit, 
that focus on helping other organizations, churches, and ministries to engage and reach the next generation. That was all this thing existed for. And it was this organization that started to show me some of the stats, the demographic things going on, the projections and forecasts of where we are headed right now spiritually with the generations coming up behind us. And this is where I also learned the majority of anyone who will ever become a Christian will make that decision before they're a teenager. The majority of anybody who becomes a Christian young will tend to have a more committed and passionate faith. That if someone is to become a Christian younger, they have a much higher chance of staying committed to their faith throughout their lifetime. And even people who become Christians younger have better life outcomes on every single level, whether it be marriage, family, finances, careers, all those things. And I had a second conversion in Northern Hills. And I came to this realization, I said, oh my goodness, kids are the single greatest mission field on planet Earth. They are the single greatest mission field you could possibly imagine. The best kingdom investment you can make is in the life of a child. The greatest contribution you can make to the purposes of God in this world is in a kid's life. The only hope we have to change the spiritual trajectory of this next generation is to win the war of faith. And the only way to do that is to win the kids. It's the only way. There is no other way. And here's the thing, guys. It doesn't matter how good our music is, or if the lights work, or if the haze sets an ambiance, if we lose the kids, we lose. We lose. Guys, it doesn't matter, honestly, if you're older like myself, past the kid age, it really doesn't matter how much we enjoy church. If the kids are disengaging, we lose. If we don't change the spiritual trajectory of this next generation, we lose. And that is why today, guys, we are starting this series, Raise Them Up. This is a rally cry for our church. Something needs to change. We have to do something to address this problem. We need to start taking personal ownership to raise up this next generation of Christ-centered world changers. We can't just keep playing defense against the culture, putting our kids in little bubbles, hoping they turn out okay. We need to raise up courageous, convicted kids who have uncompromising faith in Jesus and can go and transform this culture from the inside out. That's what we need to do. Guys, this is not a parenting series. This is definitely not a parenting series. This is a call to action for us that we need to start developing and cultivating some of the greatest Christian leaders this world has ever seen so we can start transforming it from the inside out. Now enter the backstory right now. There's some backstory to this. You know, I just stepped into Northern Hills on staff just at the beginning of this year, was preaching at the Christmas Eve services. I had a friend come just to show support and check out one of the services. Well, he owns a handful of businesses. One of them is relevant to this conversation. And he just starts walking our building and checking things out. And he comes to me at one of these Christmas Eve services. He says, Brian, this place is perfect. Like, this place is prime. And so I start talking to him. I actually connect back with somebody I worked with at another church at one point. She oversaw a lot of the business stuff, ministry stuff for the church. And consulted with her on this because she had some expertise. And she was checking out all of our things going on at the church, everything. She said, Brian, 
you would be stupid not to do this. Like, you have to do this. And so Pastor John and I started going down this road. And my business friend brought in some of his staff. We walked through the whole facility. We did all the numbers and projections and looked at all of our options. And we started seriously asking this question. We said, what would it look like to change the spiritual trajectory of this next generation? What would it look like to create a compelling environment for kids for them to encounter Jesus during the week? What would it look like to reach families that have no connection to God or the church at all? What would it look like to provide a desperately needed service in our city at a much more affordable price and also unapologetically bring the love and Jesus into these people's lives? What would it truly look like to raise up some of the greatest Christian leaders of this next generation? What would it look like to launch a world-class Christian academy right out of Northern Hills? I'm excited to tell you guys today that over the last four months, we have prepared and getting ready and are excited to announce that we are going to do just that. And coming soon to you will be Hills Academy here right outside of Northern Hills Church. Very excited. Now, I know some of you guys are like, well, he kind of cued me to clap, so I don't know what I'm clapping for quite yet right now, but I know it's supposed to be exciting. So let me tell you guys what we're even talking about right now. What is Hills Academy? This is a premium Christian early education, education center designed to help kids thrive socially, academically, and most important, spiritually, and set them on a path to change this culture from the inside out. It is going to launch initially as a preschool at a daycare, and honestly, the doors are wide open for a lot more potential after that. And here's just kind of what happened, guys. We saw the need. I don't know if you guys kind of keep up with some of the news organizations here, but Denver is in what is called a child care crisis right now. So a lot of news stories about this. Any of you guys with kids know, it is so massively expensive to send your kids to any form of childcare today. I mean, it's debilitatingly expensive. Not only that, there are wait lists everywhere. People can't even get their kids for any decent childcare, two-income families. They can't even figure this thing out. It's an absolute disaster right now. But there's also a spiritual dynamic to this too. Many of the early education centers happening in our state, they're not Christian. Which again, it's not like you have to send your kids to all these Christian environments. I didn't grow up in Christian school. I turned out okay, I think. But here's the deal. During the most formative years of kids' lives, some of them are spending full time at these places. They're not even getting the most important piece of their worldview planted into their hearts. Knowing that there's a Jesus that loves them and has a purpose and a plan for their lives. And let's just be honest, guys. The ones that are Christian, they're pretty terrible. All right? <laughs> It's a, it's a couple nice ladies trying to hold something together. It's not really done in a world-class way. And we also, we saw the problem. We also saw the opportunity, though. Because we're like, we have a chance now to engage families who have no connection or interest in church. We'll never come here on a Sunday. But we can start showing the love of Jesus through loving and serving their kids in a way that is extremely compelling and done on a high level. But there's also a massive strategic advantage we have right now that just puts us ahead of everybody else. There is one piece of this whole puzzle that is the most expensive, complicated, hard thing to figure out. What do you think that is? You're sitting inside of it right now. <laughs> the building. The biggest cost for any of these centers is figuring out the facility issues, especially in Colorado, and it drives all the costs up. We have a facility that already meets the licensing requirements to be an early child care center here already. We have the space that isn't even being used Monday through Friday here. This academy will have zero facility costs. 
Zero dollars. Every single dollar saved that would have been on a facility gets to be passed on to the families so we can make something that's actually affordable for them. And it will also give us a chance for any income that's over and above for this ministry, we can put towards missions and outreach and other ministry opportunities going on in our community and the world. This is our opportunity, guys. And I want to answer just a few questions. I want to make sure there's absolute clarity on what we're even talking about right now. So some people might ask, well, when will Hills Academy launch? What's going on here? The answer is, as soon as we possibly can. Yesterday would have been great. So, like, as soon as we possibly can. And there's a couple pieces we're still getting in place. we got to get the staffing in place, get more of that staffing. We have some initial funding to get this thing off the ground. But even if there is a slight delay in this plan, 100% we are committed to and going to launch Hills Academy. And we are going as fast as we can to make this available. Some people might ask, though, will Hills Academy become more than a preschool? You are giving Pastor John as much anxiety as he could possibly have right now, just even trying to think about that. Because <laughs> he's handling a lot of the nuts and bolts. Here's the thing, guys. We want to make sure we start extremely focused and get strong on our feet and not overstretch ourselves. And so we said the greatest need right now is in the preschool area. That's what we're seeing. So we want to make sure we meet that need super well on a premium level. And then we can phase into the daycare side. And then honestly, the doors are open. Who knows what it could become? We are definitely open to other opportunities. But right now, that's how we'll start. Some people might ask, well, how will this affect the other ministries of the church? I want you guys to hear this very clearly. We are not starting a business. This is a ministry of Northern Hills Church, Hills Academy. Is. It's not some separate entity, and we're going to treat it as such. And I had the privilege of working in other churches that had this model. This was a part of their ministry outreach method, and it was a thriving model and really helped serve the community and was a great ministry opportunity. So we have space that is almost never used at that time. There shouldn't be any conflicts, and it's just another ministry for a church. Two other last quick questions. Can I send my kids? Why, yes, you can. We would love to talk to you about that. And I already had some requests from parents in between services. And yeah, if you're part of Northern Hills, as we get this thing open, we would love to make this available to people who are part of our church. Absolutely. And the last question you might be asking, Brian, how can I help? Well, I'm glad you asked. I've got great plans for your life right here. Let me just be real, guys. We have so many of the big things in place right now. We've got the facility set. We've got a lot of the licensing already moving, just all those approvals, but things are moving. They're in motion right now. This is going to sound like a Christian cliche. You cannot hear this this way. This is truly the most important contribution you can make. We absolutely need people praying for this initiative. And I, I always make jokes about this. No lame sauce prayers on this thing, all right? God, just be with them one time. No, no. I need, like, the prayer intercessors in this church to truly be lifting this thing up, praying for God's protection and favor. You know what the last thing Satan wants to see happen here is a thriving hub that is raising up kids to be passionate followers of Jesus as they go in this world. That is something he is definitely going to want to resist. And we just need the power and protection of God over this thing, and it comes by prayer. We're going to have materials that come out a little bit later. Put them on your bathroom mirror. Put them on the dashboard of your car. Set a reminder on your phone. Like, get a ping every day and lift this thing up. We need people to pray in this church, okay? It's a good spot for an amen. I appreciate a little encouraging amens right now. Thank you. Another thing, guys, we actually are seeking to hire teachers and even a director right now. We thought we had a director in our hands. She honestly slipped out of her hands, and we were looking to even hire that key role. And we would love, guys, to even hire people from Northern Hills. We absolutely would love to have that conversation. Or you might know people who have the credentials, who have the experience. We are hoping to tap into the network of Northern Hills through this effort and would love for any of you guys to reach out. And if you even have an interest on any level or might know somebody, please email Pastor John like Ted A., John H. at nhills.org. Email. Blow his inbox up today, all right, guys? Just flood it with as many emails as you possibly can. 
Now, there's one other piece. There's another piece to this, though. There are some initial costs. We need to give this thing some runway to get a strong start. We need to bring staff on before we have kids. We need to get things moving. And so we need to invest in some of that, some of the initial infrastructure, technology, licensing, supplies. There's just some upfront costs. There's another place we want to invest. We want to do a little updating of our indoor spaces. We just want to give it just a fresh, just uplift, you know, some good lipstick on that thing, all right? It's a fresh coat of paint, all that stuff. But also, guys, we really want to completely transform our outdoor space. I gotta be honest with you guys, I'm kind of embarrassed of our outside space for the kids right now. It's kind of embarrassing. It's just become an afterthought. It's not even the place we wanna put kids in right now. It's just sitting there dormant. We want to completely transform that place into a child's dreamland, like the place to be for kids. And here's the thing, guys. Um, I want people to drive onto our property, and when they see that, I want their first thought to be, oh my goodness, this church cares about the next generation. Like, they are really putting their money where their mouth is, okay? And they care about this stuff. That's the message we want to send with our outdoor space. Now, here's the question, though. What's it going to take for this to happen? How do we pull this off? How do we make sure Hills Academy truly can reach hundreds and even thousands of kids over the years? It is going to take a baseline minimum of $50,000. That is the absolute minimum. We cannot launch this with less money than that. We won't. It's going to take $50,000. That would allow us to hire a director and get that person going, some of the other staff, and all the things we need to do with the updates and all that. This is my ask to you, Northern Hills Church, us as a family, as a community. I am asking us to band together and step forward in faith to make this vision a reality so we can change the spiritual trajectory of the next generation together. And this is the ask, guys. We can't just take $50,000 from existing giving. Because I know some of you guys are like, cool, I'll just reallocate my giving for six months and that'll be great. Well, no, if, we, if the church goes broke to start Hills Academy, that doesn't exactly work out very well, all right? This needs to be over and above the existing giving that is happening. That is a critical piece. And there's two things we're asking people to step into with us. On the first part, I'm asking everybody to consider making a special one-time initial gift to jumpstart this effort and give it some momentum right on the front end. And this is not an or, this is an and. And I'm asking all of us to pray and commit to a monthly amount you can give from June to December the rest of this year to give this thing some sustainability and strength. Those two things are what we need. And I'm just going to do some real talk with you guys right now. Can I do some real talk? We have a very faithful handful of people that give regularly, consistently, faithfully, generously. They are the reason why this church even exists, truly. This church is on their backs. I've just got to be honest with you guys. Most people give nothing. Most people give nothing. And I'm not here to guilt or beat anybody up. I understand we're at different places spiritually, different seasons in life. I understand all of that. But I need to make a plea to some of you guys that especially have been around this church for a while and call this place home. We need you to get some skin in the game. We need you to start picking up some of the weight with us. And I can't think of a better opportunity than an investment in the next generation to really make some forward progress in the kingdom. And there are also some of us in this church, again, which is more real talk, some of you guys, you truly have been entrusted with what I would call financial capacity. For whatever reason, God has just entrusted you with resources. And I really want to make an ask of you guys, $50,000, it is our bare minimum. 
Like, truly, that's the baseline. We would love to do so much more for these kids. We have big dreams, and it is going to take a lot more funding to make those dreams come true on behalf of these kids. I want to ask some of you capacity people, if you would ask God if he might challenge you to step out and pour some rocket fuel into this effort and help this thing really get on a strong trajectory and just blow that number out of the water like it's a joke. We really need some of you guys to pray about some of that. And you know why I'm just so confident about talking about this, guys? I have just seen already the hand of God moving so powerfully in this. Just with the favor he's been given, Pastor John, with all the details and the connections and the things that are moving forward. And even just at this moment, just a few days ago, I got somebody reached out to me who doesn't even go to this church. And they just believe in what God is doing here. They believe in this cause. And they said, you know, Brian, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to match the first $10,000 that comes in. I'll double that immediately right there. And we'll have $20,000 right there overnight. That just happened. There are... A lot of other things. I got some texts already after first service that I'm not going to share because I need to share some wins over the weeks, all right? I got to save them. But there is stuff already powerfully in motion. And some of you guys, you might think I'm being a little bit over-spiritual with this, but I'm telling you, I think it really is God just speaking to us. We have a designer who put together all the graphic design and things for this, a good friend of mine. And when we were talking about just the vision of Hills Academy, what is it really about? We really got to that moment where we're like, this is about raising kids up. It's about sending them into the purposes and potential God has for them. We want to just release them to soar into, again, God's work in this world. And that's what gave this image of hot air balloons. We're like, man, you see them in Colorado sometimes. And, like, we just want to send up just tons of those, thousands of them throughout the years. That's the vision. And here's the thing. I don't think I'm over-interpreting this. Yesterday morning, I'm looking over my sermon, getting ready, and I look out my window, and what do you think I see? The first hot air balloons of the year. I'm telling you, it was just a wink from God. He was just like, I got this thing, Brian. I got your back. This thing's happening. We're doing this. I know it's a little detail, but I pay attention to that stuff. And so, actually, at this moment, guys, our guest services team is going to start floating around the room. They're going to hand out some physical brochures because we really want you guys to see and touch and feel what this is about. Try to do one per family. They're kind of expensive to print. I'm sorry. Um, but if you guys would just raise your hand, make sure you get one. We want everybody to see what is in the works right now, what's happening. We'll make sure everybody gets those passed around. And you can start looking at that. It gives some of just the information, the overview, some of the, again, things that this will allow us to do, along with some next steps. And as you guys are opening those things up, I want to make this as clear as I possibly can. Okay? We have an opportunity to change the spiritual trajectory of the next generation. That is what we are trying to do. With that being said, I'm making an ask of the people of Northern Hills. Number one, I need some prayer warriors in this church. I need you guys to step up and start working a spiritual sweat on this thing. We need to pray this thing into existence. Put that brochure on your mirror. Again, put it in your car. Set a reminder on your phone. Make this a regular prayer priority for yourself, okay? And again, no lame sauce prayers are allowed. Real passionate prayers for this thing. So I need prayer. Number two, I'm asking the people in Northern Hills to commit to this, to come in and get your hands dirty with this thing. I'm asking you to commit to an initial special one-time gift to boost this thing and give it some real energy. And then I'm asking you to pray about, on top of that, a monthly amount through the rest of the year. And I just know, guys, through our collective efforts, we can do this. And just hear from my heart, I'm not asking you to do anything I'm not doing. I made sure I was the first one to give to this. Nicole and I prayed. 
and we put in there, and Nicole's like, can we afford that? And I was like, I don't know, but we're just going to give to it anyway, so we'll see. No, we were a little bit more intentional about that, I'll be honest. But we went first. Nicole and I have our hands in the pot on this thing, too. And I'm asking everybody to come in with us. For everybody in the room, you see that there's a commitment card in there. If you kind of like the paper thing, makes it feel better, you can pray and fill that out. Some of you guys today, you might be like, you know what? I got clarity. I know the amount. I'm ready to go. You can drop it right in the box by the hot air balloon right there in the cafe. That's why we have it there. It might take you a little time. You got to process and think about this. You know, I've been thinking about this for five months now, right? I know I'm a little bit ahead of you on this. You might need some time and you can process and bring it back at another time. If you're more of a digital person, you can go to nhills.org slash hillsacademy and the info is also in the brochures and you can actually do an online digital commitment right there and even find the link to start giving. Anybody can go to that webpage. It has all the information of what's coming for this school and we'll keep everybody updated as we go. Here's the thing, guys. Jesus said, let children come to me and do not hinder them and he finished with this for the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these now there are so many layers to that we can't begin to unpack everything he's saying there but on one level we have to acknowledge guys kids are dependent they cannot care for themselves they're absolutely dependent on the caretakers and the adults in their lives and Jesus is saying on one level you need to realize you are dependent on God you need him for every breath you take. He is the one who is meeting every single need you have. And at the end of the day, truly, you cannot receive Jesus into your life until you recognize your need for him, your desperate need. There's a dependence factor here. There's another layer, though. Kids have this beautiful childlike innocence to them. Now, I'm not talking about childish ignorance. That's a whole other thing, right? We know they're born sinners, they're screwed up, but there is a childlike innocence. You look at kids, there's just an openness. There's a receptivity. They just really absorb everything that comes into their lives. And kids absorb so much of their worldview and what they believe about life and God from the authority figures in their lives. This is a massive responsibility we have, guys, to make a good deposit in the children coming up behind us. And the last thing I'll say is this. He says the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. You guys saw that set. 94% of anyone who will ever be able to become a Christian will decide that before they're 18. I think one of the reasons that's the case is because God designed it that way. He wants people to know him from the youngest possible age. He wants people to walk with him their entire lives. Now, there's never a bad time to become a follower of Jesus. You can do that today, actually. Just trust him. I don't care if you're 80. Do it. All right? There's, but a better time is as young as possible. And so we have a responsibility, Northern Hills, to invest in this window of opportunity where kids are most open and receptive and we can truly set them on a trajectory that will change this world forever. You know, I got a message from a woman on Facebook a couple years ago. She just reached out to me. She said, hey, you don't know me. You wouldn't remember me. She said, you just need to know that I was part of a church you worked at in the past. And she's like, you just need to know the church changed my life. She said, I came from a messed up family all sorts of issues and I found myself in this church as a little girl and it completely changed the path of my life my sense of purpose it renewed me it's changing everything for me she's like I'm engaged to this wonderful Christian man I'm headed into this exciting career and it all started at that little church and I said not only do I remember you I still have your card that you gave me all those years ago 
Guys, I want to do that hundreds and hundreds and thousands and thousands of times over again. I want to change the spiritual trajectory of this next generation. I want to see God do a powerful work in the young people in our church. I want to send out world changers that are full of the confidence and courage of God, living in uncompromising faith in Jesus that will turn this world upside down for the kingdom. And I just know, guys, if we will step together in faith and truly believe God for this work, he is going to do something powerful in our midst. And by his grace, we will be a church that raises up some of the greatest Christian leaders this world has ever seen. In Jesus' name. Will you all pray with me? I just want to take a moment and thank you. Thank you for opening my eyes and showing me just the power and potential of giving kids a real opportunity to know you. Of just what can truly happen in a generation if we will pour ourselves out on their behalf. And I just pray, Lord, that you would start this fire in the hearts of everyone in our church that we would fully devote and commit ourselves to investing in this next generation. That you would give us the grace and favor to raise up some of the greatest Christian leaders this world has seen, to send them into this culture, living in your power, living out your presence, changing industries, transforming churches, changing the direction of Colorado and beyond. And Lord, I pray for your protection, your power, and your favor over Hills Academy right now, that this truly would become a world-class Christian education center to send kids out with your favor and grace all over their lives. Lord, I pray you open up our hearts right now that there would just be an overflow of generosity in and through our church, that you would blow our minds with the response and that we truly could reach and send out hundreds and thousands of kids over these years. And we pray this all in the name of Jesus. Everybody said, amen. Thanks for checking out this week's message. If you'd like to get involved here at Northern Hills, check out our website at inhills.org or download the Northern Hills app. We hope to see you again soon.